Teens Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Singleton. And as a child of the 80s, I'd love to say queens rule, but they don't. Queens lead. Being a queen means you are worthy to be a leader of people. The guests on our show do exactly that. They are leading the way in their businesses, families, and communities. They're taking their rightful place in the spotlight, leading and inspiring the developing queens in all of us. Welcome to the Queens Lead Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Queen's Lead Podcast. Today, we are very honored to be joined by Denise Schroeder. She is an author, a real estate agent, a wife, a mom, a volunteer at nonprofits, and many, many more things. Welcome, Denise. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Amy. I'm so excited to be here. I've heard a lot of your interviews that you've done, and you are on point. So I'm well, going to be on you. my toes. That means a lot coming from someone who's appeared on places like HGTV and, and like kind of some Rachel Ray, big kind of stuff. So thank you're you. Doing, you're doing great things. <laughs> uh, we were very blessed to have you on our little podcast over here. Um, so as you know, we are here just to talk to women entrepreneurs about doing the thing that you have done. So tell us a little bit about like what you were doing before you owned your business and how that all came about. Well, about 20 years ago, I was working in 22 years ago, I was working in property management and I was, you know, you know, leasing apartments and they were, they called me the floater. So I got moved around to different properties and just raised their, their occupancy. The and floater. I yes, love that. I was That's, you do anything we ask you to do, yes. right? That's that. Okay. <laughs> you kind of go fix, you raise the occupancy. And so I got some sales awards and things like that. And I remember I had a manager come to me and say, we don't want to lose you, but I think the natural progression for you would be to get your real estate license. And okay, I can remember really like really feeling seen. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I had a baby and then I had another baby and then I decided, um, you know what, I, I want to get my license. And so I was surrounded really by people that told me you don't have what it takes. It's too saturated of an industry. Um, you, you can't do that. Why would we line our garage wall with signs with your superficial face on them with no yard to stake? Like what would be the point? It would just be an expensive hobby. And so, yes, thanks a lot. (laughs) Exactly. So I, you know, I really needed people around me. My personality was at the time, this relationship that I was in I really needed and felt like I had to seek permission to do things. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, I kind of suppressed the dream. And um, it was it was a long time, two decades later, until um, I actually got to take it to fruition. And I had gone through a divorce and a custody battle that cost me over 50 grand of money I didn't have. Yeah. And at the same time that that was going on, my mom was 49 and I'm 49. And so this year has been um, pretty pivotal to me because I've had a lot of anxiety just for some things my mom went through. She got misdiagnosed with the hernia and she mm-hmm. actually had colon cancer. And, wow. and it was a pretty long uh, misdiagnosis, like seven months and colon cancer is very aggressive and fast growing. Yes. So She went in for surgery to once they figured out there was something else wrong and they got the tumor out and they said it's encapsulated. She doesn't even have to do preventative chemo. It's up to her. Well, the doctor was in a hurry to get to a college football game and he botched 
the surgery, left perforations all throughout her colon and 14 days went by and the hospital was charting that my mom was recovering, getting better. And she was just withering away. And finally this pastor's wife comes in and, and tells my dad, he said, they're killing her here. You have to get her out of here like today. So we metaphyted her to Oklahoma city Baptist. And I can remember like sitting in the waiting room and thinking my mom's fate, you know, is, is it's going to come through those OR doors. This mm-hmm. surgeon is going to tell us if he can fix her. Yeah. And he came through the doors finally hours and hours later. And he just said, they mutilated this little girl. She's like five feet, you know, 49 years old. And a few months later she passed after we had to watch her in excruciating pain and, and suffering. So in that experience, um, I'm getting ready to be 50. And so I started having anxiety attacks shortly after I turned 49 in, in January. Mm. And I decided I'm going to make this the best year ever because my mom would never want me to look at her passing as my death sentence. And so that's why I published my book this year. And I decided to focus on things that were positive that would help legal a legacy and make her proud. And so that's what I've been able to do um, with everything that we've achieved is just kind of um, use the art of storytelling and being vulnerable. And that way you can be a beacon of hope and a lighthouse to others. But in that, you have to be open to not just telling your story, but showing your story. And sometimes that's admitting failures and mistakes yeah, yeah, and trials and denials. And I just, you know, I went through two years of therapy and I feel like my counselor, when I came in, I told her, I said, I'm too broken to be fixed, but I show up like, that's what I do in my life. I showed up That's it. and she said, you're not too pro- broken to be fixed. We're going to reprogram you. We're going to rewire you. We're going to rebuild you like Ford tough. Right. <laughs> that's right. I know that's right. Yes. And so we kind of did an autopsy on my life and I got healthy and rediscovered who I was because I honestly didn't know who I was. I was unrecognizable. I was such a censored version of myself from being in this toxic relationship that I was in. So fast forward, you know, 10 years from when things were really, really difficult. And I'm working in an office in Yukon. I'd moved from Edmond and in walks my FedEx guy. I always say he walked in like Kramer, you know, be like, I would hear the truck and then he would, he would swing the door open and he was the, I mean, he had the brightest smile, the <laughs> big blue eyes and the sexiest legs you've ever seen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> year, I, I would make him show you, but <laughs> I kicked him out of the office. Oh, I love it. And I saw him every day for about five years before we had our first date. Five years. Um, yeah. I even tried to set him up with other people because I wasn't in the position to date. I I'm yeah. emotionally, I wasn't available. I just was trying to set him up because I'm like, this guy is awesome. Yeah. He's too good to miss. <laughs> he's too good to miss, but oh, nice. thankfully nobody snatched him up. Right. <laughs> so, um, we got married and we blended five teenagers and we quit our jobs on the same day to become self-employed. And people thought we were crazy. We had very, very little support. Um, a lot of our family thought we were neglectful. We had $30,000 in the bank to feed seven of us. Yeah. So we didn't have time to play around. Yeah. It was make or break time because you know, that money goes 
very quickly when real quick. Yeah. Your monthlies are, you know, at the time were probably five or $6,000 and, you know, I had 30,000 in the bank. You, you can do the math. It wasn't yeah. going to last long. Mm-hmm. So um, we didn't do real estate to begin with, but once we decided to do real estate, he said, why don't we do that together? And I was, I mean, it was like, I heard the angels singing and we um, didn't have a paycheck for seven months, which was incredibly difficult because here I was 39 years old before I like entered my calling and nothing was happening. I'm a farmer's daughter. So I understand you plant seeds and you plow and you nurture and you water and you spray for pesticides before the harvest comes. And my dad just kept saying the harvest will come because you're Mm -hmm. doing everything humanly possible. And so finally we sold 40 houses that last five months of the year. And wow. To put in perspective, the average agent sells four to eight a year. Mm -hmm. So I knew this is where I'm supposed to be. So now, you know, we're top 1% in production in in the Metro and we've um, used the art of storytelling and the way I learned that storytelling was powerful in the way I would use it in my life was I wrote into Oprah in 1999 and, you know, I was a stay at home mom and she was in my living room every day at 4 p.m. Yeah. Yeah. So I was having some hormonal issues and I was having doctors that didn't understand. I knew my body better than they did. And everyone wanted me to just check the box, take some antidepressant. You have postpartum. Well, I I knew I didn't have that because I'd had it with a prior pregnancy and no Mm -hmm. one would listen. So I wrote in and I did not expect to ever hear her back or back from her. It was just an emotional dump. You ever done Mm -hmm. that? Just oh yeah. Yeah. Write an email, write a text. You're fine. So that's what I did. And I got a response back in an hour. Not from Oprah herself, but sure, one of her, sure. her producers and they fly out and they, you know, you are in digital media. So, you know, they build a story. So they come and they film B-roll, which is you doing things that they show in the background and those kind of things. And so then they flew us out and then we were sitting in the front row and how it works is whenever they're getting ready to like Oprah will ask a question and then they'll pan to you and you're in the front row. So you're kind of melted in the audience. It's not too intimidating. Yeah. And she said, um, I want Denise up here by me the whole show. And I'm just like trying to not have a deer in the headlights look because yeah. I'm like, I'm carrying this show. Like I came to you cause I have a problem. Yeah. So this was back in 99 when this happened, this was in 99. And I remember sitting down next to her and she was doing sign language under her chair. Someone was switching her mules back. I mean, she had four or five people that do different tasks for her. And she had somebody that was in charge of her shoes and she <laughs> unbuttoned her pants and said, let's get comfortable. And she looked at me and she said, I want you to understand that you're sitting here because you have the gift of oration and you're not afraid to be transparent. So I want you to look at me and just pretend we're having a girl chat in my living room. Can you do that? And you know, when she asked you if you could do something, you're like enthusiastically, yes, I can do that. Yes, ma'am. Yes, queen. (laughs) Yes. So it ended up being one of the highest rated shows in 99. And I went back six months later and that was just an amazing you know, experience for me to understand that 
it, it was a little bit embarrassing. Some of the things that I shared during the show of, you know, things that were going on in my life at the time, but it helped so many people. It was so powerful and so rewarding. We just have to, we have to commit to being vulnerable so that we can yes. have relatability and connectivity to help others. Yes. A hundred percent. I, that that's been my biggest adoption probably over the last couple of years is saying, you know, I'm not hiding who I, I wanted when I, when I started my business, I wanted people only to see the new fresh version of Amy, not the, the bullshit, scary, right. like awful addict version of the past, <laughs> the depressed lady drinking box wine warm. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't have anybody knew who that was. But once I finally wrap my head around the fact that my mess is that message and that people mm-hmm. have to hear it because there's so few people willing to stand up and share that struggle that everybody else on the planet mm-hmm. is dealing with, but no one wants to say it. Yeah. I think that for me, I allowed my failures to be my biggest teacher, not my grave digger. And so there was something in that that made me realize I always thought, well, I'm unusable. I'm broken. I'm damaged. No one would, I couldn't ever be used to help anyone, but really all the things that you went through your messes give you credibility right? Um, yeah. for you, you know, to help others. You've, you've walked through the tunnel before, so yes. you can tell yes. people how to get through it. So there's something just really powerful in, in that and profound. And so that's, kind of what I've kind of committed to making others feel less broken. And also when I went through therapy, I was really afraid that I was going to like allow the unhealed parts of me to hurt other people in my life. And I didn't Mm -hmm. want that. I really needed to grieve and and heal through a lot of things so that I could find a positive relationship and I could, you know, be there for my kids in the way I needed to be. Mm -hmm. And so you were on Oprah's show in 99 and still, Mm -hmm like having that fireside chat with her as the person in your corner, you were still struggling with figuring, finding your way even years later. So like that, that says a lot of how much it really takes of our own work and effort in our own brain to validate ourselves. I mean, you got the queen of daytime TV telling you, you can, you will, you are, you're perfect. You're wonderful. And you're like, I, you still didn't make that decision until like 14 Nearly. years yeah. later, did I really step in to who I really am? And so, yeah, it took a long time. It was, it was a journey for sure, but it, it was, it was worth it. Cause all the grit, I wouldn't be who I was. I mean, when I was trying to kind of get some money together as a nest egg to get out of the situation I was in, I got so desperate that I saw an ad on TV and I donated my eggs to a fertility reproduction um, place downtown wow. Oklahoma city. And this was diabolical to me. Yeah. I, um, I had to give myself hormonal shots three times a day. I was swollen, bruised. I was an absolute nightmare hormonally. You know, I couldn't even l- look at you without, you know, being a puddle on the floor because of my emotions, just from all the hormones in my body were just, it, it was, I was a mess and wow. it was a secret. Yeah. Well, anyone, what was going on for six to eight weeks. And then I did get that $1,500 check and I was never able to deposit it to be my nest egg, you know, to move forward and make some different decisions for my life. So it hasn't been easy. And, you know, sometimes you have to do really diabolical big things to try to get out of situations you are just to be more healthy. And it, it isn't easy. Yeah, for sure. So 
tell us a little bit more about, I'm sure the audience really wants to hear more about your TV experience. So how did you land yourself on the HGTV, Home Hunters, all, House Hunters, all these other shows after Oprah was obviously a longer time ago? Well, we did Steve Harvey. And when I married Troy, we, um, we were on there, we were featured as blended family experts. So we were on a panel. Yeah. It was so much fun because we had four girls of five and they were all teenagers. And so, uh, he viewed us as experts of circuses and just craziness. And so did they reach out to you or was it because of the previous relationship you'd had with Oprah or how did that well, that connection get me. Sometimes once you are on some of those shows, like I was getting emails and mm-hmm. a lot of the producers, it's a very small world. And yes, so you'll, yes. you'll get emails. And when you were a, a good guest or, you know, that, that kind of thing, you, you have connections that, that mm-hmm. can really help you. And so I had gotten an email. And so of course we had to get vetted um, just like any other guest. And so mm-hmm. We did uh, um, an intro video and then we got interviewed several times. And because when they fly you out, I mean, they treat you like royalty. They pick you up in a car. Like sometimes it's a limo. It's a really nice car. You have a driver. A lot of times they give you wardrobe allowance. Oprah did. Nice. Um, Steve Harvey doesn't give you a wardrobe allowance, but you go into a room that's just got any outfit humanly. I mean, I'm a fashionista. And so, I mean, I go in there, I brought my own clothes, but I'm just throwing them. Cause I'm like, I'm going <laughs> to wear these high quality designer clothes that Steve Harvey has. Heck yeah. So then we got to go on for the dangers of teen technology, because when you have five teenagers, you become a private investigator. That's what we do. <laughs> right. right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. yes. So in just trying to protect our kids from dangerous apps and different things, and we had it come to our attention that our kids were using some apps that were just mind boggling scary. And so I had gotten some kind of email that they were doing some things on teenagers. And so I, you know, I basically said, this is my idea. This is what I'm doing on the back end. And so we got to go do the show. Well, it took two years after we did the show, but we got an app and Steve helped with this, an app called Omegly. And it was a stranger app where your kid can go on and literally like just chat with strangers. Well, my daughter was on it. who was 13. I'm looking at what, you know, her text history. She's saying nothing inappropriate, but there's probably 50 year old men on the other side. Mm-hmm. So I said, this is not okay. So it got taken off the Apple store two years after, so probably in 2017. So we've been able to use those platforms, not just, it's not just about us, like, yeah, right. It has a purpose and Mm -hmm. has a mission. So HGTV didn't want to come here because they thought we were just rednecks and hillbillies. And, you know, we've got one tooth and no vocabulary, that kind of thing. And no, yeah. really. And so, yeah, we live in TPs. They and ride yes. horses. That's what they think. <laughs> That's yeah. what they think. And so I, I sent them my buyer that I had, he was a single guy from Boston. That was a veteran and gotten stationed up at, um, Vance air force base in Enid was moving to Oklahoma city. I said, here's my buyer with his daughter. I'm telling you, you guys need to come up to Oklahoma city. Well, they came, they absolutely loved how much house you can get for the money. Right. And yeah. And so we had a really high rated show and I'm my fourth episode is airing probably in December. Um, it's almost through editing. They kind of keep us updated 
And that's really helped us in creating a local brand. Mm-hmm. So I think that I'm holding the record for the realtor that's been on House Hunters the most times. Nice. Uh, they, and that's it's, you know, a lot of times they want three of you on there. They want the realtor and two buyers because they want the dynamic of three different personalities. It's a lot easier to carry a show. Mm, but Troy okay. and I have done the, ha- the show twice by ourselves. And then the latest episode is myself and one of my best friends who's an interior designer and she was married for 30 years and just is starting fresh. And she wanted to buy an incredible property she can do events at. And Ooh. so the whole episode is about women empowerment and how it's yes. never too late. And it's like, yes. fresh up. yeah, so it's going to be a really cool episode. And they said they've never really done an episode with this kind of content or storyline. So I'm, I'm excited yes. about this. And I'm excited for Angel that. to be able to share her story. Yeah. It sounds like she needs to be a guest on this podcast too. I mean, I, it's time that we start telling, I mean, I love what you're talking about story with, with online marketing of any kind, but even our digital marketing now where that's all we talk about is story. What story are we telling? But being able to tell the real stories, not, not like, oh, well he's 30 and she's 25 and they have a zillion dollar budget and they want an ocean view, 360 degrees and they're perfect. And here's their labradoodle, you know, to say, here's a broken woman that like how was married for 30 years and is starting out on her own again. And she's going to kill it in her life. Still. It's not over for her. Those, these are, that's what really happens in and real that's estate. What connects you with the audience. They don't want to see some two fancy, you know, dressed 50 year olds walking around acting like their life's perfect. That's right. That's not what captivates you and connects you. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Be real. Exactly. So I'm excited about that. And that's been really incredible. I did, um, food networks, worst cook in America. I got nominated for that. I don't know if that's a good thing. Yeah. I've never seen the show. I don't watch cooking shows because I don't cook. So I don't don't watch the network. My sister nominated me and, um, when I was on the audition in 2020, I was on FaceTime with the um, casting producer and I was running down my stairs and like no slip socks, you know, I had no yeah. stairs. Well, I actually fell and broke my ankle while I was on the what? casting call. Yeah, it was nuts. That's and great so, content, they say. Yeah, I mean, they say break a leg. I literally broke a leg. Nice. So I wasn't able directions. To- yeah, exactly. <laughs> But I wasn't able to go on that season. So oh, I no. had to wait another year. They, I'm, the competition involves running. We're running around because everything's a race. Yeah. Okay. And so I didn't want to go on with a boot because I'm competitive. So yeah. that wasn't going to work. <laughs> so that was a fun experience because that was comedic. And just, yes. but every time I was on like my private outtakes, it would say my name and then it would say my occupation. So in every show or everything that I've ever been on besides Oprah in 99 before I was even doing real estate, I always lead it back to realtor or real estate team. So when Steve Harvey introduces us for blended family experts, he says, this is Troy and Denise. They quit their jobs to become self-employed and they have a real estate team. So I use that clip in an intro in my marketing because who else can say Steve marketing or Steve Harvey is like, you know, introducing you. Yeah, so you can use those things to always come back to real estate, even if it's a crazy cooking show. Mm-hmm. So it's really been um, great, it, no matter what the topic is, being able to lead it back to also what we do and how we help serve people. Yeah. 
It, that, that statement right there stands so firm to me because there's something, there's so much talk about work-life balance. Oh, well, there's this balance. And what I've discovered for myself is no, there's not. There's just my life. My life is digital marketing, podcasting, nonprofit, board service. It's my community. It's everything I do all wrapped up into one. And there aren't set segments of that life. So just like you said, whether you're appearing on Steve Harvey or a weird cooking show or whatever, you're still a real estate agent. You're still a wife. You're still a mom. You're still all these things all at the same time. And I think no matter what we do, you know, I try to teach my kids this. We are missionaries. We have opportunities every day to serve like we're chosen. That's always my motto in my business. We serve like we're chosen in my industry. There's 10,000 real estate agents. It's insanity. Um, but I, you know, when I wrote this book, I don't worry about people trying to copy or replicate me. I want to share the things that we've done to help us exponentially grow because I want to have a giving spirit. I feel like when you give, you get, and you just have to come from a place of abundance and not a (laughs) scarcity mindset. And that's been really important for us is to always share things to help other people grow. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like you said, there's 10,000 real estate agents in our market alone. And it's so cutthroat. You talk, I talked to several real estate agents that want to hide their secrets and not share their success. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, there is enough for everyone. Have you seen how many homes are in this city? Like there really is enough success. And when you share it, like you said, it can't help. It's like the reciprocity. It's like breathing. You can't help it. It just comes back to you when you give more than you take. It is for sure. So tell us a little bit about, um, tell us a little bit about your, uh, I'm so sorry. I don't know who's trying to call through zoom. That's very weird. (laughs) Edit, (laughs) please edit that out. I don't know what that was. Uh, sorry. That's so strange. Um, (laughs) what was I even going to ask? That was awful. Um, so yeah. So tell us a little bit about your book. You said you, it it released this year in October Mm -hmm. or I'm sorry, 20 October, 2022 is when it was released. Yeah, It it just released. And my uh, publisher who you had on recently, Darlene Shortridge had passed away tragically. I mean, I was just in communication with her a couple hours before she passed. And so Mm it's, it's been a little bit bittersweet because she got to know me, um, better than a lot of people do intimately with, with a lot of things. And we were getting ready to work on some other projects together. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I've been trying to, um, do all the publicity and everything flying by the seat of my pants, marketing homes and marketing books are two different animals. And <laughs> I really was excited to go on that journey with her but I wrote the book just to share my unique marketing approaches um, about what we've done to exponentially grow. And we've used social media, but bottom line is we use storytelling and walking in your own authenticity to create your own lane. And I want people that read the book to, of course, be inspired and encouraged and empowered, you know, to move into action. It's never too late, you know, take the leap of faith, but I want them to feel like they're taking like a creativity juice shot or something, you know, some people, not everyone is creative. So I do talk a lot about how we've been able to use media TV opportunities, press releases, human interest stories, um, creativity in submission for just content for, you know, people are looking for content in Mm -hmm. blogs in 
publications. And so we've done a, a lot of that. Just I will write things and submit things to different publications and, and be published. And it, it's been wild because and podcast guesting too. It it's really big because you can get your message in front of larger audiences, you know, from your home, especially during yeah. COVID. We learned, yes. you know, that was our survival mode. So, and I also talk about the power of volunteer teaching and speaking. So my goal is to speak more. I'm doing women's conferences and and summits and speaking locally at different places. And if I sell books, that's great, but I don't have any pressure to sell any amount of copies because I wrote the book because I was called to, Um, I wrote the book because I felt like I was kind of stirred just to share a message and to leave a a legacy ultimately. Wow. That's incredible. Um, I hate to hear that, um, that that relationship with Darlene was cut so short as she was a fantastic person. It was very, um, very hard to take that news, but, um, I know she served people in exactly the same way that you, that you want to lead and serve. Um, yeah. And she was life as a testimony. Yeah. Yeah. That's getting pretty close to home at our age. Mm -hmm. It is. And you know, her daughter was the age I was, when, um, I lost my mom. So, you know, you're putting people's lives for a reason you're transplanted in people's lives for a reason. I, I truly believe that. So in our business, we've kind of used like things that have created such an empathy in my life to like, I became a family law mediator. So I'm a certified divorce real estate expert because the, the law process is going on as you know, right along with the real estate transaction and they move at very different paces. Yes. I don't know if you've ever known anyone that got divorced, but it can be dirty, messy, and we have to be the neutral. Yes. Both sides want to think we're on the other person's side. So that's really important. That's like the cornerstone is that they feel like we are representing the house. Mm-hmm. We're there to protect their money from themselves because a lot of times their house is a reflection of what's going on in their life. So imagine what that is. Yeah. We had, um, we had a guy that hooped in human feces in the floor vents and then used his app to turn the heat on to like as high as it would go when the wife was at work. And she thought that there was something dead like in the walls and started cutting the sheetrock open. Well, this is oh a $400,000 house. Well, that is, it's wasting the asset is what it's called. You're tearing up the house or you're blocking showings or, I mean, we've, we've seen so many crazy things. We had a lady that cut every, she cut open every electrical socket. She pulled down ceiling fans because she thought there were cameras spying on her. And so we go over to try to sell this house and it, I mean, how do you even explain that? Yeah. And you have wow. to, it takes money to put that house back together to sell it, which most of the time they don't have. Yeah. yeah. All the money is going towards attorneys. Attorneys. Right. Oh my gosh. So we've been able to, you know, minister in that way. Um, Cause I've been, I've been through it. I've been through the absolute worst of the worst. And so I do, it, it's probably twice, three times as much work because you're communicating with attorneys separately and the clients separately, but it's a lot more rewarding than just putting a sold sign when you know that you helped somebody through the darkest period of their life. Yeah. And then, and it was equitable, you know, as much as it can. Yes. And you keep things fair and 
because everybody has to split that one little nest egg to go live separately in two different households. And it, it's important that their money is protected. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that's definitely a service that's more needed um, to have that extra expertise when a lot of the houses being sold and bought are because of divorce. So, right. And a lot of realtors, you know, there's a lot of new realtors now because of COVID when everyone lost their jobs, everyone wanted to become a realtor and that's great. Yeah. I don't want to ever deny anyone of a dream, but there's so many of them running around that don't know how to interpret the contract, much less execute it. And then they're going to get thrown in the ring with divorce when they don't even understand the legal process. And it just hurts people. I yeah. always say, don't hire me because I'm your friend or relative hire people because of their expertise and their track record and that you're a good fit. Yes. And, you know, you know, that kind of thing. So, cause everybody knows someone obviously that's a realtor. Yeah, for sure. So talk to us a little bit about, uh, your FedEx guy. Oh, that's a lot. What it's been like, but <laughs> what it's been like to, um, to partner, because I'm also partners with my husband in business and, and I get a lot of like, really, you know, but I do too. I think, yeah. Uh, we're best friends. I mean, there is absolutely nothing. I think maybe because we were both married before <laughs> and we've yes. got it right here in middle age. I'm not sure. Uh, but tell us a little bit about working with your husband. We really are, I guess, the perfect mix because we, he has strengths and we, you know, our strengths and weaknesses work together because I don't necessarily love data, love numbers. He loves that stuff. And then I love the creativity, free flowing part of, you know, doing the storytelling and the marketing and being kind of the rainmaker, if you will. And so we just have these, we have good balance in what we naturally are good at. And so we haven't had to like fight over, well, I want to do that because we both gravitate towards different sides of the spectrum. So it's really worked out pretty well. And he, he reins me in and I slave drive him. Sometimes we need a little bit of, uh, <laughs> I love that you say that. I say that about my husband all the time. He reins me in all over the place sometimes. And he's like, listen, yes. okay. Yeah. He told me last night, I know Darlene isn't here to help you, but you have got to get some margin. Like you have got to slow down. And so, and when you (laughs) love what you do, it's hard. It is. It's so hard, but he does. (laughs) He paces me and lets me know, okay, you're outer limits right now. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's helpful too. And, you know, we're not always together because we're dividing and conquering. We have a lot of clients, so we're not together 24 seven, but we're together and communicating, you know, constantly and it works for us. And people do, they're like, I couldn't work one day with my husband. I, I would, you know, go insane, but that's not the case. We've been doing it. We just celebrated our 10 year anniversary of working together. Wow. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 10 years of marriage is great. Uh, we, my husband and I have been married. It'll be six years in December and we've been working together for about three, three and a half. Okay. Yeah. So a little sooner in our journey, but it's, um, it's definitely a good fit. I can't imagine not working with him. Um, it just, yeah, we bring a different perspective for sure. And experience level. Well, and I feel like that with Troy, I do involve him in, in some of our marketing stuff where, he is perfectly content being behind the scenes. And so I've had to coax him, beg him, prod him, teach him to 
also like being in front of the camera because yeah. he had to be in front of the camera on Steve Harvey and HGTV. Like it was like, well, I'm going on this ride and you obviously have to go along with me because we're a package deal. So you got to get with the program. That's right. And at first he was like, oh my God, I don't like this. But now, you know, our last episode we did, you know, he was cutting up and they were like, every time he does an episode, he just grows, but he'll complain about it, but he secretly likes it. Yeah. Yeah. He secretly likes it. <laughs> uh, what, what would you say to that person? I, I talked to so many business owners that are like, no, no, no. I want to keep my business separate from my personal mm-hmm. life. I hear that constantly. I don't post anything on my socials from my personal page. That's just for me. What it, what is your take on that? For us, I mean, our business comes from doing life with people. And so people are like, well, I don't add, you know, I don't add my clients to my personal page because then I don't, you know, I don't want to censor myself. If I have a red solo cup or if I do something that offends someone politically or whatever, we yeah. add everyone to our personal page because that's where we do life. And our yeah. business is referral based. It's relational. So my business page, honestly, is not where my business comes from. It's not. That's right. That's right. I also Listen don't. to her. Listen to yes. her. And not that you shouldn't post on there, but that's not personally where I'm connecting, relating with, with my sphere of influence. Right. But I also have, you know, we have a recipe, a mix that, you know, sometimes you'll see someone in their own industry and that's all they post about. I'm very careful. Sometimes I can remind people what I do because I do a lot of interior design. You know, do you like this? Do you like that? Here's the trend. Um, I take people along when we, you know, we got houses, we, we remodel things. We are fixer uppers. We have, you know, Airbnbs, that kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. so I take people on the journey where you can remind them what you do without saying something like the interest rate is this, or I, you know, I sold this, like I'll do a back handspring in front of a house that we sold versus just saying sold it. Right. Yeah. Like anchor and stop the scroll versus there. They just, get desensitized to those things. So it's more personal, but reminding people what you do is just as effective. It has been for us. Yes. hundred percent. I love that you said that. Thank you for reminding the audience of that because I say yes. it all the time, you mm-hmm. are your business and you can't appeal to a hundred percent of the population. No. Do you know how many people live in your town or that you have the opportunity to do right. business with? If 0.1% of them like you, that's great. That's probably more, more right. business than you can handle. So just go ahead and have your red solo cup or whatever it is that you're all about and be genuine. Right. I agree. Yeah. I mean, and we've gotten so many referrals from Facebook. I think people want to do business with people that they like and they relate yeah. to. And that, yes, yeah, we're going to go maybe on a stressful journey, especially during COVID when there was 1900 homes on the market. And it's like, it's so cutthroat just to get buyers a house. Well, let's at least have fun while we're doing it. You know, we're going to have, you know, it's like we do a documentary when we're going on a house hunt. we're taking pictures, we're catching any moment that we can so that we can save those memories and and give those to them. And all, you know, we can repurpose that for content and, but we take them on a journey and tell a story while we're doing it. Mm -hmm. And it's your client's story. That's the other thing I think most people are missing is they're telling their own story, which our stories are important, but as it relates to our clients, we have to invite them into a story where they win, where they're the hero, where their life is better because they chose Denise as their realtor. Right. There's a company called Pike's 
fish market in Seattle. Have you ever heard of it? Pike's fish market. I haven't. So they, they throw fish, like you walk by and they, Oh they yes, I have. Yes. yes, I have. Then I know exactly. I didn't know the yeah. name, but I knew the the brand. <laughs> it's awesome because I got told about this company, like in a class that I took and that was 10 years ago and I'm still talking about it. Well, when you go on their site, it's not about them. It's not about how good their fish is. It's about their clients stories. And that is what people miss. And you mm-hmm. have to earn the right to tell your clients stories because mm-hmm. I ask my clients to get vulnerable, but I also, I have really good social skills where I understand when I have earned that right. You know, yeah. like we have people say we're selling our parents' house. We've had this house 56 years. I got engaged in the driveway. Mm-hmm. Both the parents died and we're turning over the key. You know, they'll, they'll tell these stories and those are just my favorite is hearing every house, every client represents a story because we all have one. Yeah. So that's my favorite part really is finding the story. Yes. I love that. Well, we're, we almost use up all our time, but I don't want to get out of here before um, I mentioned the nonprofit that you care so much about Palomar here in Oklahoma mm-hmm. city. Tell us a little bit about your work and your experience with them. I love Palomar and I've been donating to them for years. And then my daughter had had been the victim of a sexual assault that we actually knew the perpetrator. He was a neighbor and he's never been arrested. And she, um, I was out of state. And so she didn't call me. She called the rape hotline and a sexual abuse advocate was sent to St. Anthony and stayed with her, I think for five or six hours while she completed the process of her rape kits and different things. Mm -hmm. And she told me later that they were from Palomar. And recently she, they've offered her counseling. They've offered her many things. And so I knew from everything I had learned about them and my dealings with them, that they were amazing. But to hear that later on, they touched my family directly, just, I mean, just warmed my heart because they're doing such amazing things for, for domestic and, and, and sexual abuse victims. They focus on identifying trauma and just surviving. And then where you can turn into a thriver and they have so many resources and, it's just a really special organization. So if you are ever looking to refer someone that, that is a victim, or you want to put your dollars somewhere where you know that they're going to make a difference, I would highly recommend them. Nice. That's amazing. It's always nice when you, when you um, are a beneficiary of something you've been pouring into for so long and can really see the full reach. I had no idea that I would ever be a beneficiary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if that's not some karma, I don't know what is you do the right thing and the right thing comes right back to you that back to your initial point of this conversation. So (laughs) thank you so much, Denise, for being my guest today. I feel like we could go on for three more hours talking about your experience (laughs) and your book and your real estate and your TV and all your media appearances and just what you're doing in this community. It's very clear to me that you are the epitome of a queen leader. And I just can't tell you how much I appreciate you. you. I'm so proud to have you as a part of my community and right here in my state where people that are just doing really big things. Uh, We hear a lot about all the negative and all the bad and all the terrible things that are going on. But 
but every time I get to have another conversation with a woman like you, I'm just more inspired to do more. So thank you for what you do. Tell, tell the audience where they can find you. What's the best place to keep in touch and follow you on socials or do business with you as a real estate agent. I'm so easy to find. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty much Google her. She's everywhere. Um, Yeah. On Instagram, I'm Denise, D-E-N-I-S-E, Denise sells Oklahoma. And then Facebook, I'm the creepy girl that has a joint Facebook with my husband because we work together. So it's Denise (laughs) and then N, the letter N, Troy Schroeder, S-C-H-R-O-D-E-R. And you can Google us. My book is on Amazon. It's called Out of the Box. And I um, just hope to inspire and empower people to, uh, to live a bigger life and to share their story and to take the leap of faith. I'm so thankful that I did, even though it was kind of 20 years delayed, it was right on time. <laughs> it's always right on time. And yeah. I love the title of your book out of the box. My response to everyone who said I could never sell real estate. Yes. I mean, like, yeah. And it's uh, applicable to any small business owner, anyone that has a social media presence. It's applicable to ev- to everyone, really. Yeah. And your website is deniseandtroy.com? Yes. That's pretty easy. Yeah, so, it's easy. <laughs> you guys get out there, find Denise, follow her on the socials. And uh, if you're needing to buy or sell real estate in Oklahoma, give her a call because uh, it sounds like there's not anyone that'll go to work harder for you than her and her husband. Thank you. We'd love to help. Thank you so much. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And just keep on being a queen that leads. Thank you. (laughs) 